How's everybody doing? Good? Blessed? How's everybody on the uh, internet doing? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I just want to welcome everybody who's watching and going to watch. Um, hallelujah. God's doing something. It's good to have everybody here today. Thank you, Lord. He loves to be uh, exalted. He loves to be worshipped. He loves to be praised. What an honor it is to really to be able to enter into his presence, enter into his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Amen. To give God glory alongside all uh, the, the angels in, in heaven who are just giving him glory and awe of who he is. How many of you are in awe of your God today? He's not a little God, amen? He's not a baby God, amen? He's not hanging on a cross anymore. He's a big God, amen? His name is Jesus, amen? He's a healer. He's our renewer. He's the Savior. He's the Savior of the world. He has all the answers. His promises are yes and amen. He is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you, God. I just pray, and I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase in me, Lord God. Uh, Father, that I know that I'm nothing, Lord God, and in humility I receive and accept your gifting, Lord. I know that I lack so much, Lord, but you have it all, Lord, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that I will be led by you, Holy Spirit, that you would guide me, that you would guide every word that comes out of my mouth, every thought that enters into my mind, and that your word will come forth in truth and power and in love, Lord God. That you would counsel us. That you would love on us. That you would correct us, Lord God. That you would speak to us. That we wouldn't live here the same, Lord. That you would activate within us supernatural gifting, supernatural power, supernatural anointing, Lord God. That we would know that we have been called and set apart for such a time as this, Lord. Let us put down our... Our, our worldly, uh, uh, fleshly, carnal desires, Lord God. And Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would be attentive to what you're doing this morning, Lord. And I pray that your word will come forth, Lord, in, in the way that it's supposed to, in purity. In purity of heart. Pur purify my heart. Purify my mind, Lord God. And I pray the mind of Christ upon this body today that you would remove any thoughts that are not of you, Lord God. We cast down every vain imagination right now, Lord God, and we fill our hearts and our minds with the power and the focus on you, Lord. Let your will be done. We thank you for the privilege and honor it is to be called your children, children of the Most High. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Let's give the Lord another clap offering, amen. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. As I was, uh, I think it was probably earlier this week, midweek sometime, as I was just uh, not even really praying or anything, but the, but the Lord just uh, dropped a, a word in my spirit, a, a scripture, you know, and, and, uh, and this is for, not only for me, but for us, and, uh, and this is, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read it, and it's in Job 38. And, and the word of God says this, it says, brace yourself like a man, 
I will question you and you shall answer me. And, and this is found in, in the book of Job. And, and as I was, you know, I, I had been praying and kind of touching base on a few things as, as we've been getting together. But what I understood is the significance of the calling of God at this time, uh, you know, in, in this you know, in this day and age that we live in. And, and also I, I understood that, you know, here was Job. Uh, you know, there was a lot said up. This is in chapter 38 and, and the book of Job. And there was a lot that had been said about Job's circumstance and about his situation and about where he was up until this point. He had been, his, his friends, a few of them had surrounded him and they were speaking to him. He himself had thought certain things, but what they did not have is, is understanding. And, and, and so God intervened at this point to give them understanding, and, and I believe that, that we need understanding. And I believe that now is a time that we need understanding, and, and I believe that God wants to intervene and give us fresh uh, revelation as far as understanding is concerned. I, I, this morning, as we were in worship, uh, yeah, I was praying for those that have uh, uh, weakened immune systems, even in this church. And as I was praying and, and, and lifting up the people as, as I was worshiping, and, and I mean, you know, we can do more than one thing at once, amen? We're not limited, amen? So as I was, as I was seeking the Lord, uh, he said, the church's spiritual immune system is weakened. And that was profound to me. Because of the fact that, that though we're, we're in, in, in these times, we're a little bit shaken. There, there's a little a bit of a shaking going on. And, and we can uh, take the pride way out and, and say, oh, no, no, no. But we have to admit that there is a little bit of weakening in the structure. That I'm not saying the foundation is weak. But there's, there's, a, few, there's a little bit of weakening in the structure and so God right now, I believe, is uh, injecting a fresh and renewed fire into the house of God. And, and, and through that, uh, through, through him injecting that into the house of God, uh, uh, there, there's a, a renewed sense of direction. And, and if we grab a hold of that direction and we understand it and, and start putting down what we need to as far as our lives are concerned, see... God was merely dealing with Job in areas that were, that were apparent in his life. They were underlying issues. Somebody say underlying issues. We all have underlying issues. It doesn't matter who we think we are or who we say we are. But if we go to the Lord in humility, we gain understanding as far as, as knowing that nobody in here is the total package as far as Christianity is concerned. But together we have... Uh, uh, you know, we can be one as far as the body of Christ is concerned, and we all have something to offer into the body of Christ. So, uh, so Job, though he was a man that was upright, he was, I mean, you know, we've, many of us have read the book of Job, if you haven't read it, but, but he was an upright man, uh, you know, righteous man, but there were issues in his life. And, and they, they weren't necessarily sin issues, but they were issues that were preventing him from moving into the fullness of who God had called him to be or appointed and anointed him to be at this time that God ha had set him, you know, this period of time that he was living in. 
So, so I believe that God is, is dealing with underlying issues in, in the lives of the believers. And, and, um, and, and I know that there's, uh, uh, you know, a shaking as far as this is a way that we can find out. Let me read something that, I, that the Lord gave me today because I believe that he's, uh, that he's giving, he's, he's pouring out gifting today. But too many times is what we've depended on is, is, is our knowledge or our pride or, or, or whatever. We, might, we may not even know we have it, but sometimes it's a protective uh, mechanism within our lives that, um, you know, that we hold on to that doesn't allow us to move forward in the name of Jesus. Man, I got a lot of papers in this thing right here. Some of them are going to fall. Don't. Nope, that ain't it still. There it is. So God is doing something as far as, as tapping into uh, leadership skills inside of his house, tapping into uh, gifting and anointing. I, we know there's an order, and I'm just going to read something that I've been talking about for a long time and something that a scripture that God has gave, gave me a while back, and I'm going to continue to read it. The word of God should never get old to us. It doesn't matter how, how many times we hear it. But you'll recognize it, so I'm not even going to tell you where it's at. And the Word of God says this, Let us therefore, and this is in the Amplified, receiving a kingdom that is firm and stable and cannot be shaken, offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship. So what, what God is saying here, my kingdom cannot be shaken and it will not be shaken and it's firm and, and, and as long as you're in it, you won't be shaken. But he's say, saying, look, you got to offer your service unto the Lord. How many know that God wants to offer? He wants us to offer our service or he wants us to be involved in what he's doing in this day and age in order for us to be. He won't pour out gifts unless we need them. And we won't need them unless there's involvement and unless there's interaction not only in here, but interaction even out there. Because they need that the gifting manifest in the house of God and that God would raise up new teachers, ministers. We, we need to be getting into alignment for, you know, for when, when, the, when people are coming in, when, when God brings more people in so that we could teach them, so that we could discipleship. God shows up. We know he shows up in this house and I'm grateful for it. But something that, that, that we've maybe missed alongside with many other churches is discipleship. And it's something that's essential and it's necessary in the house of God. And, and, and the, the difficult thing about it is that it's going to cost us. But what we gain in, in return or what we get in return, because now even with what's going on, is, is the mindset is to isolate ourselves, separate ourselves, even from the Bible studies going on uh, here at the church, or, or I'm not sure if Pastor Raul's having... Uh, there's, I know Mark, I think, is, are you still having it? So, so isolate. So see, the enemy wants us to be isolated. And, and when we're isolated is what it does is it creates independence. And when there's independence, then there, there, there's, it gives little room for interdependence and it gives little room for total dependence as far as Christ is concerned. Because we start to get dependent on ourselves and, and, uh, you know, and that's kind of what we got we to gotta see. Our eyes need to be open to see what, what this uh, pandemic is trying to do even in the body of Christ. 
so that we could move forward and so that we could not let the enemy in as far as, as bringing in you know, dysfunctional ways of thinking, dysfunctional ways of, of even serving the Lord. Because that's what's trying to enter into to the house of God. I'm just giving you some education before I, before I start hitting it, okay? Because the reality is this. We pick up dysfunctional uh, patterns in our walk with the Lord. And we justify it. And, and, and I'll tell you what, when, when we're justifying it, it's a form of, uh, of pride. But, but, but we need to really search the scripture and see what the body of Christ is all about. And what our part is, remember, as far as the progressive, the, the moving of, of the kingdom of God. Okay? So don't let dysfunction come into your life now. Now that th- throughout this pandemic or whatever, you know, beware, do whatever you got to do. But don't let the relational dysfunction come in. Because then that's sometimes how, how you know, it was brought up. I'll just bring it up again. Uh, 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 offense or... or or, or, you know, taking on offense. But, but the reality is this, through that, what wasn't brought up is this. How many people have we offended? We can look at our own offense, but it's one thing to say, Lord, reveal to me who I've offended. And I, and, and I for one, in the body of Christ needs to be, I believe that there needs to be a certain amount of mercy that not everything needs to be addressed. Some things do. Some things we just need to learn how to. Uh, we just need to learn how to forgive. That's part of Jesus's character, and He puts us together. A bunch of people that are, you know, um, uh, I always used to compare the body of Christ to the Adams family. That might go a little too far back for some of us, but you know, there's there was all these guys. Lurch, a big old guy, and I, uh, you know. Uncle Fester was another weird, I mean, they were just a strange group of people that were pressed in together to form a family, amen? So God has taken a, 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 a group, he calls us a peculiar people. Uh, we possess gifting and anointing, but yet, you know, sometimes there's misunderstandings that, are, that, that we have only because of the fact that, that, you know, sometimes we can't see other people's perspective. But God is pressing us together and he's squeezing out. Somebody say squeezing. Out all of the impurities so that he can mesh us together and form what he would call is his bride or the body of Christ. And through that and through that purification, then he creates an unstoppable force that he will use in order to be able to move forward in what his kingdom plan is in this day and in this age and for us, for me, and for you until the coming of the Lord so that we could hold on and hold on tight as he pushes us through because that's what we need. I think right now many times we need a good push from the Lord, amen? We need a good, he needs to push us through in order for us to make, to progress forward. So, so that was, that was something I wanted to share, okay? He says, uh, your accept, uh, okay, uh, pleasing service and acceptable worship. You know, uh, uh, God wants us to, to, to be sharpening the gifts that he's given us. Like I said last week, I think, or the week before, if we're not using them, then, we're not, then, then the anointing just leaves after a while because we're not using it anyways, Oh, well, I have gifts, I have this, I have that, or the other. But the reality is, you know, where's the power behind the gifts if you're not using them? 
Okay? So I'm just, uh, like I say, we're headed somewhere. We'll relax. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Remember, I, I didn't finish this off, so I need, to, I need to touch on a few things. Urgency was, was what the Lord had given me three weeks ago. Urgency, the importance requiring swift action. Uh, urgency means desperate, critical, intense, crucial. I don't know if you've seen the intensity out there right now. There's an intensity. And, and, and we as, 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 as a body of Christ need to be intense about our prayer. And we need to be intense about our service to the Lord. And we need to be intense about our relationship with God. We need to be intense about the scripture. We need to be intense uh, about moving forward as the body of Christ. We need to be intense about the vision and the mission that God has for us. It's no time to be relaxed. It's no time for kicking back. It's a time for digging deeper. So as the Lord spoke to me, brace yourself like a man. Uh, and, and he started dealing with certain things in, in my life and, and really showing me, you know what? Get over it. Get over yourself. Get over whatever has, has tried to come in and even uh, bring distraction in the house of God. Distraction on the mission and the vision that I've given you so that you can see it through with strength, with determination, with the power of the Holy Ghost, with a purity of heart, a purity of mind. Put down those things that are carnal. Leave them alone. Get them out of your life. Uh, uh, let, let go of pride. Let go of selfishness, arrogance, everything that's going to hinder you and open yourself up to me so that I can empower you to move forward in an extraordinary way. That's what God wants to do with you and I. We're the body of Christ. We're children of God. We've been set apart for his honor and his glory. This is our time as far as the body of Christ is concerned. So um, the, the kingdom has everlasting purpose, eternal purpose. God purposed or destined certain things. And I've talked about this, but I'm... I'm trying to refresh something so I could come, come through later on with, with something that's going to resonate in your spirit. So uh, everlasting purpose. Imagine if we miss that purpose that God already predetermined since before he created this world with an understanding that, there's, that he's depending on us. No matter what, the Lord is saying, you know what? Brace yourself because of the fact that I am your security. I am your stability. If you hold on to me, you will not be shaken because you're planted on a firm foundation. But once you start going on your own understanding, then that's when the carnal nature starts to come in. That's when we let in all of these, you know, all of this stuff that, that, that hinders, uh, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not talking about flat out sin. If you're involved in it, repent, but I'm talking about those things that hinder, those things that stop us from moving forward, those mindsets. You know, pride can be a, a, a big hindrance in, in our lives. Look, so he wants to use you in an extraordinary way. Watch this. This was, I was, I was and I, I wasn't even thinking about it. I was already ready to come to church. The Lord told me this to give to us. Your gifting will come forth through a process of self-examination. How many of you even want more gifting or anointing? Is anybody in here? Let's see hands. Let's see. Because God's looking. Amen. He told me to ask you that. 
So, so your gifting will come forth through a process of self-examination. What does self-examination do? Self-examination really causes us to understand those areas in our lives that get in our way. And, and really, um, you know, these areas are, are things that we do on our own or use on our own understanding. Sometimes even the gifts that, we, that God gives us can be a hindrance because we become uh, uh, maybe good at it in the natural, but we're lacking in the spiritual, meaning that sometimes pride takes control because our, our gifts are visible. And what happens is because of those visible, visible gifts, it can be like uh, sometimes people can raise up the prophet, people can raise up the teacher, the preacher, the minister, the whatever it is. And sometimes uh, uh, what that does is it creates a pride element within us. So if we're not looking within ourselves and saying, Lord, I'm humble enough to receive and accept the gifting that you have for me, that I need a greater anointing in what you've already given me, that we get so used to do it that it doesn't even become a thing anymore. There's no power behind it. You know what I mean, anybody? Okay. So, okay, because when you look at yourself and understand that only, the only good thing in you is Jesus, then you realize that your heavenly gift is not because of you, it's because of him. Okay? The minute you think that God gave you a gift because of who you are or who you think you are, you have, uh, or, or you think you have a right to your gift, then you're being led by pride or you're being led by Satan. And not by God. You will have to fight. To be used by God. Because he releases his anointing. huh? Uh, because when he releases his anointing. There's much resistance. From Satan. From people. From yourself. Look. Pride. Is drawn to pride. Pride is drawn to pride. Pride feeds off of pride. What happened with the pride when Satan had his pride? So whenever we get pride, we know that there's an element, a demonic element involved. But God is, is drawn to the humble. Those he will use. The problem is many do not wait on God's timing and step ahead of God. He knows when you're ready. See, there is an order in the way that God does things. And God wants to pour out in a supernatural way. Let me just read this, and then we're going to hit something at the end here. So, God's eternal purpose cannot be shaken. You're part of something that cannot be, that cannot be overcome or overtaken. You're part of something that, that, that is stable, something that is firm. We need to, you know, push all our desires, fleshly desires aside Okay, we need to be focused on God and his kingdom. We cannot be so focused on this world system. Okay, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. What does that mean? That means that whatever this world had to offer or whatever distractions there were that try to bring, take Jesus from going to the cross, you know that there were distractions. You know there were distractions to pull him away from his mission. You, we, we saw it in certain parts of the Bible. I'm not going to talk about it right now. I might not even make it there today. 
But there's always uh, 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 times when there's going to be distractions to pull you away from what God has rightfully called you to do. I'm going to tell you something. You need to be prepared for whatever the Lord wants you to do. It's not a, it's not a matter. I always remember, I was thinking uh, when I was still uh, young in the Lord. You know, we used to call it before, somebody will recognize this term, uh, wet behind the ears. Uh, you know, if it, does, if it doesn't make sense, that's okay. It doesn't need to to some of you. Uh, so that meant that I was a baby Christian. And I remember one day, um, I remember my pastor was in another, in another state back east somewhere taking some, him and somebody else were taking classes in order to be able to have school at the church. And I remember getting a call, and, and in this call, uh, I remember him ask, telling me, okay, I need you to do a wedding for me. And I said, okay, great, you know, I'm going to, you know, I got, he's, you know, he's laying it out there, now I can prepare. How many know that all of us want to prepare for what God wants us to do? He tell, and, and, and I said, hey, now that's good, I'm glad he told me, now I can prepare or whatever. And he says, so this wedding is tomorrow. What do you think I did? What would you do? Oh, yeah, I get to do it. It was my first wedding that I ever did. Hey, I get to do a wedding. No. I was freaking out, man. I was like, what? I mean, I'm still, I don't even, I don't even feel worthy to open up the word and read it in front of people or anything like that. And, and he calls me from another state. And I'm, you know, my first prayer was, uh, you know, and I didn't say it because I didn't want to sound too, you know, I didn't want to sound too crazy, but I thought, can't you catch another plane? You're grounded in this place because of weather. Can't you catch another plane? And it was actually for Teresa's uh, nephew. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? And then I told him, well, does the family know that I'm going to do the, the marriage and you're not going to? And he says, no. And I said, what? I'm just going to show up there like if nothing and... and and all of you know, and, and this couple's expecting you, and and they're getting little old me, you know. And, and I mean, I, I'm just, it just did not sit well with me. And and uh, so you know, needless to say that when you're a servant of of the Lord, you can't pick and choose. You can't pick and choose what's convenient. There was a need. And, and, and it needed to be taken care of. And there was a family that had already invited a bunch of family, you know, so that this wedding could take place. And, and God was gifting me with this. It wasn't that I was second choice. It wasn't that I was, it was God's perfect timing and he was entrusting me with a task. And too many times is what happens with the body of Christ is we get intimidated by the task and we, and, and we don't want the responsibility, so we refuse the task, and, 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 we don't, and we don't walk through it. Therefore, we don't meet God at that place, and, and, and really the anointing, you know. Uh, see, there's a dependence on the Lord when you say yes to something that you don't feel like doing, something you don't want to do, something that is the farthest. Man, I already had my Saturday planned out, don't you know? You know? So our availability to God has everything to do with God's outpouring huh, on the willing. 
the, the biggest issue in the house of God now is nobody's available. And we're content with it. And we think we have the right to refuse God. And this is the reality. We can't be refusing God. Not in this time. Because if we re refuse God one too many times, he's not going to call upon us. And so, so there was an order in the way that it was done. Like I told you before, there was a delegated authority that was given to me by my spiritual authority in order for me to be able to show up there because I was showing up as a representative not only of the kingdom but a representative of the church. So I was there. I mean, if whether I was standing in proxy for the pastor or whatever, I wasn't even a pastor. I was an elder in the church. But I was there. And I, and I showed up, and, and, and people respected it because there was a delegated order. Many times another issue with, 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 with the pouring out of, of, of the gifting is we haven't been delegated to do it. We take a step to do it, and we think that we've been anointed to do it, but we really haven't because we haven't gone through the proper channels. And so in other words, is what takes place is... We rob from wherever we go take the message to. We rob from ourselves. And we don't add value to the kingdom because we're doing it on our own and on our own understanding. So, so God right now is bringing order to his house even through all this. Look, I, I need this message to resonate within your hearts and within your minds. And this is why. Because we're headed somewhere. This is not it. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. But if, what if he doesn't come back for a couple of years? What if he doesn't come back for five, ten years? What if he doesn't come back? What if, I mean, you know, I know that, 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 that the church, many people, especially the people that have been around the church for a long time, are like, man, you know, he's got to come back. These are birth pains. We got to go back. Man, you know, we got to get out of this. It's a mess. You know, what about the children? What about this? What about that? Look, everything is being stirred up. And, and, and he's looking to us. So, there, so he's bringing things into alignment in order for us to be able to move forward under his grace, under his anointing, which is his power, under the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's called you and I to do this. So needless to say, no matter how nervous I was, because, man, I was, I was nervous. You know, the couple, the marriage happened, the, you know, everything happened. I mean, wouldn't you be? There's going to be some first times in your life coming soon that God is going to ask you to do something. And if you refuse it, you're going to miss what God wants to pour out upon your life. Doesn't matter how long you've been serving the Lord. So it's up to us to embrace it, to move forward as far as what our calling and what our purpose is in order for us to be able to be fully anointed and prepared for the things that are to come. How would you feel if I asked you to do that? They're like, man, I honestly, because guess what? I'm the type of person that could probably think of a bunch of excuses. And I think there's a lot of types of those people in this building. And I, and I believe that we just need to Lay down our lives. Let it go. Because it's pride. When we're making up excuses, all that is is pride. Rejecting what God has rightfully called us to do.
in the order that he's called us to do it in. And we can blame others for the, the way the situation is. But how many times have we faltered? So the self-examination is this. The self-examination is a time of saying, you know what, Lord? I want to take a good long look at myself and see where I lack. Because I, when, I, when I wanted to reject what God had called me to do, it's not necessarily I wasn't in sin. It was, it was a mindset that I had already, it, it was a preconceived idea and something that I had already had since I was a kid. It was something in me that would stop me from moving forward. Now, there are other things that I would move forward in because I was comfortable doing it. What are you uncomfortable doing? Where is your comfort level at? Let's take a look at the Word of God. Jesus, I need you, Lord. I want to visit Jeremiah again. And touch on something that, uh, that I hadn't touched on. I need to tell you that ministry sometimes is a lonely place. The deeper you get, the, lonely, the closer to God you get, sometimes it gets lonely because God will allow you to, to it'll, uh, he'll allow that to happen in your life. But, it, but it, it's not so much because, uh, because you're all that and, and, and people can't be around you or whatever. It's because God is, is purging certain things out of your life and preparing you for the things that are to come. So sometimes when you're standing up for righteousness, people will come against you. And, and many times they won't even understand what God has shown you, but just because it's uncomfortable to them, they're going to come against you. And they're going to try and stop you from moving forward. Remember the other day I said that when God pours out a gift upon people and you receive that gift, you know, Satan can't touch that gift as long as it's in God's hands. But once he gives it to you, Satan sees it. So he tries to come and he tries to distract in any way that he, that he can. He'll, he'll hit you with everything that he has and he'll use people to hit you with everything that they have and they won't even know it. That's why prayer is so important. But sometimes we set our own selves up thinking that, we're, that, that, that we have this or that or the other, but we really don't. We may, we may have a part of it, but I'm telling you to fill the office of, of uh, you know, the fivefold ministry, man, it's got, there's got to be a lot of criteria that needs to be met. But God will use gifts in order to be able to to, to reach a dying world. So let's take a look at, let's take a look at, at what Jeremiah is going through right now. Let's go to the book of Jeremiah 19. So remember, let's, as you're turning there, I'll just refresh us a little bit. A little bit. Remember that, that Jeremiah's, you know, when we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago, that Jeremiah was at the place where, where he had been in ministry for for so long, and he expected more out of what was going on in ministry. He had given his whole life into the ministry. He had, he had laid everything down in order to serve the Lord. And he was at a place that, 
he, he was like Job. He didn't understand that there were certain things in him that God was purging in order for the greater anointing. Somebody say greater anointing. How many of you want a greater anointing? A greater anointing has to do with a greater outpouring. We need a great outpouring at this time. So here was Jeremiah. We know that he was, he had got, he had reached the point where he was frustrated, even frustrated with God. But let's take a look at, at what led up to that. And I'm going to start on Jeremiah 19, verse 14. Jeremiah returned from Topheth, where the Lord had sent him to prophesy, and stood in the court of the Lord's temple and said to all the people, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Listen, I'm going to bring on this city and the villages around it every disaster I pronounce against them because they were stiff-necked and would not listen to my words. So, I mean, you, you got to know this. There's something inside of us that wants, that wants us to be popular. There's something inside of us that wants us to be accepted. There's something inside of us that, that, that doesn't want to step on any toes. And I know that it is because look at what's going on out there. The church doesn't want to step on any toes because of the fact that the church, uh, everybody says, oh, well, God is a loving God. And why would the church act like that or be bigots or, or present all of these things that are legal? And why would the church come against it? But God's word is a, is a judgmental word too. There, when God's word is presented, there should be something that takes place. A separation, if you will. Something that separates the carnal nature from the spiritual nature. And something that prepares the promises to come forth. And something that pre prepares us to receive what the promises are. So there's a promise for, for this lost and dying world. But we're too afraid to step on any toes because we don't want to offend anybody. But the reality is, is all hell has broken loose out there. And we're afraid to step on toes because we're not going to be accepted. And we're not going to be this and we're not going to be that. And we're going to be looked at as a bunch of this or that. But I'm telling you, here was Jeremiah, a, a preacher. There was nobody with him. He was all alone. And he's standing in front of the church in front of God's people, uh, uh, really telling them, look, there's judgment that's coming. And if you don't change your ways and humble yourself before the Lord, this is what's going to happen. And they didn't receive it or accept it because they said, I'm saved. I'm saved. My ancestors were saved. Their ancestors were saved. I'm Abraham's seed and I'm saved. I've been raised in a Christian home, and I'm saved. There's no way that this can touch me. I, I tell people about God, and I'm saved. I do this, and I'm saved. Well, what is it that we're not doing? So Jeremiah is standing in front of the church with a stern rebuke of correction, and he's bringing it forth. And so what haven't we come into alignment with? And what excuse do we have for not coming into alignment? And what pride element is supporting that excuse in order for us not to move forward in what God has called us to do? Because there's always 
pride, an element of pride when we reject what we need to be doing for the Lord. Remember, it's like uh, Pastor Victor, remember what he said that time? I'll, re I'll refresh your memory and you'll, and, you'll, uh, and you'll remember it. Pride is like bad breath. Everybody else knows that you have it except for you. He did say that. And, and, it, and it can be pictured in your countenance. Because it's not Jesus coming through, it's you coming through. So Jeremiah is saying, look, there's something here. It's, an, it's a pride element involved that's not letting you, you know, at this time he's talking to the, to the house of Israel. That's not letting you move forward because you're proud and you think that you have something that you don't have. Sometimes we walk around thinking we got something that we ain't got. So if you got it, there's going to be evidence that you got it. And it's not going to be evidenced by what you say. It's going to be evidenced by what happens around you. So here he is. Jeremiah's, you know, he, he, he's getting to a place where he's just tired. He's, he's given it his all. He's been at it for, for years and man, somebody said, I don't, I, I've never found out in the Bible, but uh, I remember there was this pastor, an evangelist that said that he didn't have a single convert for what he said was 38 years. I, I, like I say, I never have found it in the Bible. Lito said it, uh, Lito Levaya, and I, but I, could, I haven't found it. But what I do know this, when I looked for it, there, were, there weren't any converts, there weren't any people that were following him. He was all alone and he was pronouncing over the house of Israel and he was preparing them because they were right now just getting ready to go into captivity. And nobody was listening to him. Oh, well, you know, much like, like the church, you know, the church has been trained not to talk about repentance or sin or, you know, the grace of God covers it all, you know. It's under, uh, under the blood, covered under the, you know what I mean? There's... You know, it's, the church has learned all these things, and to unlearn it is going to be difficult. So the church had learned all these things. Jeremiah's uh, uh, telling them now, trying to unlearn them, warning them, and they're rejecting what he's saying. And who is it exactly that's rejecting it? Look at this. When the priest Pasher, son of Emer, the chief officer in the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, he had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put into stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. So a picture of this would be this. Here we have this guy that was, he was born into the priesthood. He, he, was, he, was, he, had, he had been a, a, assigned really a place as far as the priesthood. And, and uh, so here he is, and he's telling, he's saying, no, Jeremiah's wrong. So he puts him in stocks at the gate. What is a gate? A gate is where people go through. So here's Jeremiah. Stocks are those things on your neck and on your hands. And Jeremiah's in stocks right at the entry of the gate so that when people pass by, they say, oh, he's supposed to be a man of God. 
How come he's right there at the temple gates? Look at him. I thought he was a prophet. I thought he was this. I thought he was that. Jeremiah's in stocks for a whole night. It didn't say that there was a, a porta potty there. It didn't say anything like that, that there was a, a restaurant or that they fed him. He was in stocks after being beaten. He probably stunk from the blood that was dried on his skin. And he was there. And the priest put him there, calling him a liar, basically putting him uh, on display as a false prophet and saying, no, you're wrong. And Jeremiah had just merely answered the call of God and said, I will go and I'll, and I'll say whatever you say. You put the words in my mouth. But what happens when God puts a word in our mouth? Do we speak it or do we hold it in and contain it? <clears throat> so here's Jeremiah and, and, and he's... Man, he's been ridiculed. Nobody's there to help him. He's all alone, but, you know, wondering, you know, and asking God, well, you know what, man, there's, I don't know what to do. I don't want to speak anymore. I can't do it anymore, God. So the difference between uh, uh, Jeremiah and Pasher was this. You see, Pasher had been uh, uh, already prepared to take on this responsibility, but Jeremiah had been anointed to take the word of God and the word of truth out to a lost and dying nation and a lost and dying church. And there was a huge difference because Pasher was dressed. He looked like a priest. He spoke like a priest. He dotted his eyes and he crossed his T's and Jeremiah just threw it out there. And as he threw it out there, the, the, the lying spirit of religion was coming and saying, there's no way it's going to happen. Don't worry about it. God wouldn't do that to us. Can't you see the temple? Don't you know you were raised in a church? You've heard the truth. Therefore, you're saved. It doesn't matter if there's anything else involved. It doesn't matter how many times we deny. Because the reality is this. Whenever God tells us to do something and we reject it, we deny Christ the same way that Peter did. And here was a, and here was a man of God who had been anointed and appointed and, and set apart for such a time as this. In stocks being laughed at and ridiculed, saying every word that you speak is a lie, Jeremiah. But the, the difference between appointment and anointing is this. When God births it in your heart and you know that you got to do it. And you know that you cannot stop. It doesn't matter what, you, what anybody says and it'll be done in the order that God has called it to be done. You don't have to sidestep anything. You don't have to bypass anything. You don't have to do anything on your own understanding. But you do it under the order and under the power and the anointing of what God has called you to do. And then here's a man of God. And he's saying, I can't do it. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. 
Everything has come, and come against me. Everything's broken out against me. But God is always producing something. And God had produced something in him. And he said, I can't do it anymore. If it wasn't just for that little fire in there, Lord. fire's there and I can't put it out. That fire's there and Pashar can't put it out. That fire's there and everything those people are saying can't put it out. That fire's there and nothing can put it out. I can't even put it out, Lord. But I can't do it unless... Unless you intervene, God. Because without your intervention, I can't go on any longer. So the man of God has the anointing, and, and it's a constant battle with this pastor. If you, if, you read, if you read more, I mean, Jeremiah gets thrown, he gets thrown in prison or a courtyard. He gets thrown in a cistern where he's up to his waist in, in mud. He get, man, he is abused, and he's still preaching the gospel. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And this happened after this little incident. Finally, as he dug deep, he said, it's there. I can't stop it. I can't stop it from burning. I can't stop it from burning. Nobody else can stop it from burning. Man, I don't care if there's a, 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 an airplane with a, a ton of water inside of it that gets poured out upon me. That fire is still burning. No man can take it from me. No person can take it from me. No woman can take it from me. Nothing out there can take it from me. Nothing in here can take it from me. But it's a fire in my bones. And I will not let it go. And that fire moves me on a daily basis. And it stops me from doing things that I shouldn't be doing. And it keeps me doing things that I should be doing. And it keeps me saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I'm here, Lord. Use me, God. Getting older, Lord. Use me, Lord. Give me the strength because I need it, God. I don't care. Lord, things have been said. Things have been done. Sickness has been pronounced. Whatever has happened, Lord. But I can't stop it, God. That fire is in me, Lord. That fire is in me, and I'm not, I'm not happy, and I'm not fulfilled unless that fire keeps on burning. Let's bow, let's bow our heads. There's some of you that you've let disobedience take that fire in here. There's some of you, and we'll say it because it was said that you've let offense take that fire. 
I remember I was offended once. And I thought I had gotten over being offended. And I asked the Lord, I thought I wasn't going to get offended anymore, God. And that's when he told me what I told you. Who have you offended? You're so focused on your own offense that you don't know who you've offended and you need to repent. We can justify how we want. And that takes the fire. We can reject doing what God has called us to do and that takes the fire. We can say, no, all we want and that takes the fire. We can say, wait, Lord, all we want, and that takes a fire. We can reject truth, and we can even build our own case and compromise in sin, and that takes a fire. We can blame everybody else, and that takes a fire. We can point fingers, and that takes a fire. My God is looking for somebody in here. Somebody else. <laughs> I would say no matter what. Because it takes determination because it's hard. It's lonely sometimes. It's painful sometimes. But God is producing something within you. So if that's you that would say, have fires there, Lord. It's there, Lord. Ain't nothing gonna take it from you. That's you come up in respect to social distancing. I understand if not very many come up. 